The town of Liphook, near Portsmouth in the south of England, was teeming with people from London's film world in early June 1955. In residence were the cast and crew of Bawani Junction, MGM's lavish Eastman color film set in India. The company had taken over a stretch of the Longmore Military Railway in order to stage one of the film's key scenes. At the bottom of an incline, a group of train carriages was carefully arranged and set on fire to look like a horrific accident, the product of eight weeks' worth of preparation from the art department. Director George Cukor was busy setting up a shot, yelling his commands over a loudspeaker to 200 extras strewn about on the ground, covered in fake blood, bandages, and prosthetic wounds. Lunch would be announced soon, but one more take had to be completed first. Thomas Wiseman observed the action. The Austria-born British journalist was young, but already had ample experience dealing with high-profile film people as author of the showbiz column for Lord Beaverbrook's Evening Standard. When reflecting recently on how different it was speaking with celebrities over a half-century ago, he said, I can tell you that in the 50s, major stars were much more accessible than they are now. I would ring up someone I wanted to interview without going through a PR person and arrange for us to have lunch. At the top of the incline stood the film's lead actress, surrounded by makeup department personnel awaiting her cue. One of the makeup women used a large silver can to douse the star with glycerin. Only stuff that shows up like sweat on screen. Terrible stuff, the actress said. A male colleague dirtied her already filthy sari in blood, correctly pigmented for Eastman color. Wiseman noted the actress's beauty and the stick of chewing gum in her mouth, a gift from her older sister in America that hinted at her detachment from the controlled chaos surrounding her. This was Ava Gardner, at that time known in the press as the world's most beautiful animal, or in Wiseman's words, the Aphrodite of the Adam Age. After 14 years under contract to Hollywood's largest movie studio, she had 42 short and feature-length screen appearances under her belt. Bawani Junction would be the 43rd, and was now reportedly earning six figures per film. The salary alone spoke volumes about her position on the roster at Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer but one didn't need to know the specifics of Ava's contract to understand her popularity with filmgoers around the world. Her films were often well-received by audiences, if not always by critics. And since the early 1940s, her personal life had provided titillating copy for publications ranging from the Los Angeles Times to Esquire magazine. Ava Gardner epitomized international celebrity, But as many journalists already knew, and as Wiseman would discover during their interview, she wasn't a typical film star. For one thing, she didn't exactly like her job. Whereas many of her peers may have been happy to bend and yield under the iron fists of studio bosses in exchange for a shot at fame, Ava had been in the business long enough and had become successful enough to bluntly voice her opinions on the trappings of the film world. She wasn't in it for the craft, she admitted. Acting talent was one thing she was sure she didn't possess. I don't enjoy making films, she told Wiseman. I just enjoy making money. Nor did she find other actors particularly appealing on an intellectual level. 
instead preferring to associate with writers, musicians, bullfighters, directors, men who could stimulate her brain, if not her body. She counted the likes of Ernest Hemingway, Robert Graves, Tennessee Williams, George Hoenigen-Huna, and John Huston as friends. Still, she never could understand why other people found her fascinating. Perhaps we're not so interesting to ourselves, Wiseman noted Ava as saying. I'm a simple girl, a farmer's daughter. I can't think where I got the bad blood. The bad blood that got me into this business. Ava Lavinia Gardner, a self-proclaimed way afterthought that her parents needed like a hole in the head, was born in a two-story, five-bedroom clabbered house in Johnston County, North Carolina, on Christmas Eve, 1922. Studio publicity would later claim she was from the town of Smithfield.